0: All right. Last night was packing my car earlier. I am leaving from here tomorrow morning and driving to Florida. That's crazy. And then in a week, I'm flying back to Denver. That's a crazy, crazy month for us. Uh, What a fun week it's been uh, being here with you guys. You guys got a cool thing going on here at YXL. Uh, Let's give it up for all the leaders and all the. I possible. I just want to point out how special it was for me to walk around and see you uh, men and women being spoken to by your counselors and laid hands on and prayed for. That's about the coolest thing I've seen in a couple of years. And I want you to know how special that is, that someone would be so courageous and kind to be honest to you. And to give you feedback that's going to help you for so much uh, of your life. Um, and then to send you out with a blessing and a prayer. That was amazing. Um, I love that you guys had that opportunity. Uh, prayer is a powerful, powerful thing. A few months ago, um, my first day back from, from getting to summer conference, my best friend's wife died. Uh, suddenly. And uh, the days that followed were full of grief. Uh, The days that followed were full of us taking in their kids and playing with their kids. Um, They've got three kids that are our kids' age. And two days after uh, she died, there was a moment in his backyard when about 20 friends and pastors all showed up. And it was one of the most special moments um, that I've ever been a part of as we laid hands on him. And one by one, we pray for him. We pray that he would be guarded from the lies of the enemy. We pray that God's love would be evident for him in the days, weeks, months, years come. We prayed for God's provision and protection and comfort. We prayed for many, many things. And it strengthened him. and encouraged him and it united all of us doing that. And that's what prayer is all about. Prayer is all about going to the Father, calling on the power of His name, knowing with certainty that He's going to provide. And Prayer is a powerful thing, and you all felt it today, hopefully. Hopefully you've felt it throughout this week. Prayer unites your heart to God. Prayer unites your heart to one another as you do it. Prayer is, is, is our interceding on behalf of our friends or our world, those who are hurting, bringing our prayers and petitions to God. And it's a powerful thing. The Bible says that the Father hears our prayers and they are a sweet aroma to Him. Perhaps uh, you know the experience of being prayed for by a friend. But I want you to know, your best friend, I know that's cheesy, but it's true, your best friend, Jesus, 2,000 years ago prayed for you, and that prayer is recorded in Scripture. Wouldn't you want to know what he prayed for you about? Wouldn't you want to know what his will is for you? Wouldn't you want to know what he's doing within you and around you? Wouldn't you want to be encouraged and led and empowered by that? So that's what we're doing tonight. We're going to spend some time looking at Jesus' prayer for us in John 17. You'll notice about the first half of it is a specific prayer for the disciples that gathered around him. There's still so much applicability to that, to our lives. The second half of it is for those who would believe the word they would go and preach. You and me. 2,000 years later. So we're going to read this uh, whole chapter together, John 17. You can open up there. We're going to see what Jesus is praying for us about. It's the word of the Lord. And Jesus had spoken these words. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life. This could have been a whole sermon on its own, but I didn't get to it. But this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you when the world existed. I've manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. now I'm coming to you, these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I am to see my glory that you have given me, because you love me before the foundation of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, us. That they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, you and me, they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made them known I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. That's the reading of God's word. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this week, the way that you have uh, shaped us and molded us and deepened into friendships, that you have sanctified us in truth. Pray that your words tonight would um, encourage us, lift us up, that we'd be sent out of here changed. Knowing that as we look around, these people have our back and that we are with them and they are with us, just as you are with the Bible. Lord, we uh, pray that you would speak, um, and that you would open ears to hear. I pray this in your name. Amen. So here's what I want to do tonight. I want to send you all out with this prayer. Send you all out the blessing. That this is Jesus's prayer for you. And these will be also my parting words for you as we go our separate ways. Um, and then when I'm finished here in about 15 to 20 minutes, I'm going to send you guys out to split up into groups of three people, And I want you to spend 10 to 12 to 13, 14, 15 minutes praying with one another and for one another. Um, And I'll give us some instructions as we get there. Um, And so that's what we're doing. There's four things specifically that Jesus prayed for. And those are the four things I want to point out. Two of them are a bit longer and two of them are pretty brief. We see first in verse 15 that Jesus prays, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Um, So I just wanted to talk about the evil one for a second. We've talked about a lot of big subjects. I don't know if we've talked about him yet, the devil. Um, Because here's what I'm I'm concerned with. The ratio in which we, uh, the church, talk about the evil one versus how much Jesus and the apostles talk about the evil one is a a little off-balance, Uh, C.S. Lewis, I love him, and I quote him a lot, in the Screwtape Letters, I think it's a book that everyone should read once a year. The very beginning of the Screwtape Letters, he says this, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence, the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors, and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. Which 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 error do you side on? Do you live your life disbelieving, not giving any interest, not thinking about the evil one, or do you err on the opposite end, obsessing over everything's the devil? The dead, the devil made me do it. Uh, but the devil is very real, um, and Jesus teaches a lot about the devil. In fact, in John ten, Jesus says maybe the most provocative and mem- uh, memorable line about the devil: the thief. He came to do what? He came to kill, to steal, and destroy. Paul describes our true enemy in Ephesians 6, saying this, that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not that we're wrestling against other humans in the midst of the, the chaos that we experience, the division that we feel, the hurt that's done to us. It's not that we're wrestling against other humans, but we're wrestling against the rulers Against the authorities, the cosmic powers, the spiritual forces of evil. Ephesians 2, he says that the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work. This is post-Christ, death, resurrection, ascension. The spirit that's now at work. He's presently working now. Um, John, I think one of the, the craziest passages about the evil one in his epistle John, 1 John 4, 19 says that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The Apostle Peter says the devil is roaring around like a lion looking for people to devour. And we see, as I looked at a few nights ago in Revelation 12, the devil, the dragon, he's coming after us. Those who obey God's commands and hold the testimony of Jesus, the evil one is not for you. He has come to steal your joy. He has come to destroy your hope. He's come to kill your soul. He's described as a lion. He's described as a serpent. He's described as a dragon. He is not someone to play around with. I mentioned Jay Stringer earlier um, in in the Q&A session. Uh, He wrote a book that's just been super helpful for me and many others who have read his book, Unwanted. This is what he says about the evil one says, I'm asking you to consider the possibility that evil has been plotting against you throughout your whole life. The evil one, Satan, wants to destroy the glory of God, but since he cannot, he therefore goes after what most images this God, women, men, boys, and girls. But here's the Achilles heel of the evil one. He cannot create anything out of nothing. The evil one can't clothe the tree with abundance of beautiful leaves. It can't make hops or grain for beer or spirits. It can't create the beauty of a human life. But what evil can do is promote deforestation, seduce us to drink, to alcoholism, and through the production of pornography and through the rampant enterprise of sexual slavery, he can degrade human life and dissolve the integrity of men men and women. The evil one cannot create, but he takes what's been created and he thwarts it and destroys it. He cannot destroy the image of God and his glory, so he comes after what most images him, you and me. So Jesus' prayer, not that we would be taken out of the world, but that the Father would protect us from the evil one. That's my prayer for you too. If you go your way, that you be protected from the evil one. Second thing we learned is that we would be sanctified in the truth. Sanctify them in your truth, your word is truth. as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world and for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth, that we may be sanctified in the truth, that the love of the Father is for us. I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. I think this this goes hand in hand with the attack of the evil one. Um, what is our greatest combat against the lies of the, of the devil? Being sanctified in the truth. Resting in the love of the Father. Um, as your life continues this summer and as you go into your next semester and as you are overwhelmed with sin and perhaps seasons of despair, you're bombarded with lies. The evil one is coming after your worth. He's coming after your salvation. He wants you to doubt the, the salvation that the Lord has given you. He wants you to feel the pits of despair. He wants you to think that you are all alone, that you must be the only idiot struggling with this. The greatest tool of the evil one is to bring you into a, dis, a despairing pit of shame. And I like the illustration of God created us to smile with joy and to run this race, And the devil's work is to get you on your knees and to crawl through life with a friend. So what do we do? We go back to the book. We go back to the words of eternal life. We soak ourselves in God's scriptures. We take the Lord's Supper. We sit under gospel preaching. We enjoy the fellowship of God's people. We rehearse these truths of Christ. And we ask your friends here, Do not leave this place without asking one of your friends, Hey, can we be praying for each other the rest of the summer, please? Hey, in a week I'm going to call you. I'm going to get back into my other life. And I'm sure I'm not going to be in the same great place as I'm in right now. I'm going to call you. Can we just spend five minutes and pray for one another? And tell each other some truths and help us remember what we learned last week. Set that appointment before you leave tonight. Remember who you truly are. You know, when the Father says in Christ's baptism and, and the Mount of Transfiguration, he says, Jesus, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. The Father's overwhelmed with love for his son. And we, Mickey Mouse, are in his son. We are hidden in Christ. And all of the Father's love that he has for his son, he has for us because we are in Christ. When the evil one bombards you with lies about your worth, remember what's true. Be sanctified in the truth. That's Jesus' prayer, and that's my prayer for you as well. Third, that we, Jesus prays in verse 24. This one's amazing. I desire. What does he desire? I desire to be with those whom you've given me, that they will be with me where I am. It's not like, all right, God, I'll, you know, put an equation into a calculator. I guess this is the, the plan you wrote up, so come on, bring it on. No, I desire for you to be with me forever. You see, in uh, earlier in John 14, in my Father's house there are many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I would go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will surely come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you also will be. He desires that. You know, back in uh, in in that time, they did something really strange, and that's the groom, the husband. They would have this year, similar to an engagement, this, this period of betrothment, and the groom would go to his parents' house, and he'd extend, he'd build on another room into his parents' house. And then once him and his wife would get married, they'd go move in with their parents'. We're glad that changed. Aren't we? We're glad that we've, uh, we don't do that tradition anymore. Um, here we go. What's, what's he saying? Father, I'm coming. I'm extending. I'm, I'm extending your house. I'm building a room for you. I'm building a room for you. I'm building a room for you. And I desire you to be with me. I desire you to be with me. And that's his prayer to the Father. Lord, I desire that they would be with me, so that they would see the glory that you've given me. That's this is prayer for you. It's going to come true. Fourth, we see most repetitive in this prayer, constant, continual theme, that we would be one. It says, I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be One even as we are one. That they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, and the world may believe that you have sent me, the glory that you've given me I've given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved me as you've loved me. This prayer for us is that we would be one. I want you to think about this I'm going to camp out here for a minute, and we're going to part ways and pray. What do you think about this? Um, You guys are 14 to 18 years old. So in 2009, you were uh, a couple years old, right? Is that right? Is that good math? Yeah, it's good math. I want you to think about, I don't know when you got a phone. Maybe some of you uh, don't have a phone, and that's good for you. Um, Jealous of you. Uh, but I want to think about just what's gone on in your, I don't know, young, younger years. 2009, the first black president, Barack Obama, was inaugurated. 2010, a gay boy named Tyler Clementi committed suicide, beginning the awareness for bullying the LGBTQ youth. 2011, Occupy Wall Street raised awareness of income inequality. 2012, Trayvon Martin was killed and was the front page of the news. 2012 also brought the re-election of Obama, brought the Sandy Hook Elementary sh- School shooting. 2013, Black Lives Matter movement was founded. 2014, Michael Brown, Ferguson, Eric Garner, New Orleans died at the hand of the police. BLM protests spread across America. In 2015, seven years ago, the Supreme Court legalized gay marriage. Caitlyn Jenner publicly identified as a woman. The white supremacist, Dylan Roof, massacred nine black Christians in Charleston, South Carolina. Confederate flags were removed from the state of South Carolina. 2016, I remember this day, it was a late night. Terrorist Omar Satine killed 49 people in a gay nightclub in Orlando, Florida. Alton Sterling, uh, Philander, Castile, and five other Dallas police officers were killed on TV. 2016, Colin, uh, Colin Kaepernick refused to stand for the anthem. 2017, there was a march in Charlottesville, Virginia, the Nazi march. 2017, the largest mass shooting in US history in Las Vegas, 58 people were shot at a country concert. 2017, the Me Too movement started. I can keep going. 2022, the Uvalde shooting. 2022, Roe v. Wade was overturned. The list goes on and on. Why do I point this out? Because you all have been raised in a generation where your way of viewing the world, the main way the world wants to shape your identity, is tell me what you think about these issues. It's totally crippling. What do you think about guns? What do you think about BLM? What do you think about abortion? What do you think about Trump? What do you think about Biden? What do you think about evangelicalism? Tell me what you think. Post about it. The cultural wave, this is a a great quote by Thaddeus Williams. He said, the cultural wave of social justice has turned bright-eyed, articulate, caring people into chronically triggered, ever-suspicious, resentment-fueled warriors well-trained to make snap judgment against others on the basis of their appearance and opinions. That's true of the church. The world is discipling God's people to be, dif- to be divided. Um, sociologist Jonathan Haidt wrote a book 10 years ago called The Righteous Mind, and he said that everyone's mind in this room is determined to figure out who the good guys are and the bad guys are and you're going to figure out how you can fig- how you can place yourself on the good team so that you can be against the bad people. And so what happens is all these issues come come they come and arise and they come every couple months. And through social media and through your friends you figure out who are the good guys and what do the good guys believe. And now I'm going to believe what those people think cuz I'm a good guy and those other people are terrible. You know, one of the the greatest lies that um, many people your age really struggle with is this lie that that you're open-minded. You know, they're tired of being told by the church what to think. So many people walk away thinking that they're coming to their own conclusions. I'm tired of someone telling me what to think. Y'all, I want to tell you a little spoiler alert. I don't know if you've seen these documentaries or read the material that's out there. This moment, there are millionaires chilling on y- in yachts who have hardwired algorithms into your social media devices, discipling you, training you, teaching you, based on what you like. They're teaching you what's true in the world. They're sanctifying you in their truth. They're telling you who the good guys are. You think that you're open-minded and coming to your own conclusions, That's not true if you have a phone. You're just being shaped and discipled and sanctified by other sources. And what Jesus desires for us is that we are one. The world wants to divide you, and you feel it. That we might be a testament to the love of the Father and the Son. Would we be one? The world wants us divided. Christ is praying and will accomplish his mission. And it has accomplished his mission. We are one. We are one. There's an old famous quote that I love and I try to live by and it says this, in essentials there's unity, in non-essentials there's liberty, but in all things there's charity. Everything's not essential. There's a, there's a story I heard that I want to end with um, about a place called Martha's Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard was a village on an island just off the coast of Massachusetts. And I don't remember all the details, um, but there was a, a man who wrote about this island after he visited. He showed up on this island, and during the beginning hours of his visit, something so peculiar stuck out to him. It was totally silent. So much so that he wondered if anyone was, was even there. But eventually he ran into people in the town and he noticed that these people were speaking sign language to one another. And what he came to learn after that amazed him. See, in the 18th and 19th century there was this Christian community on Martha's Vineyard. And because of genetics, for every 25 people, one of those people was born deaf. And so what do the other 24 people do? They learned sign language. They went out of their way for the one person. That's oneness. If you take nothing else away this week, I want you to know that that Christ went out of his way. He left his seat to enter into dirty robes for you, the one for you the one, so that we may experience not the division of this world, but the one the Spirit is working within us. That we may display to the world the love of the Father that he has for his Son. Um, here's what we're going to do. I want to split up into groups of three people by gender. Um, counselors I don't well, I don't know what to do about counselors. My initial, I didn't think about counselors until I just saw one. I think I just wanted to be students. Don't leave anywhere that's far away and that you can't hear me in 12 minutes say, come back. Yes, David, sorry. I think we were saying we wanted to go ahead and just have them split up into the gendered halves of the okay. two Okay, so go to the gendered halves of your team. So if you're a guy in group one, go find the other guys in group one. and You're going to spend the next 15 minutes praying for one another. Don't go further than you can hear me call you back in, because then we're going to come back and take the Lord's Supper and finish with a few songs. Um, So go pray for one another. Come back. I'll tell you when to come in. Be encouraged. Be encouraged.